Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another edition of Believe in Giants. Bob Papa, two time Super Bowl champion Carl Banks. Win and they're in. Yeah. They won and they're in. How cool was MetLife Stadium on Sunday, Banksy? It was really, really cool, Bob. It was the the, the crowd appreciation. That's the part that I loved. You know, Justin Tuck told everybody, don't leave your seats until this game is over with. And the job was finished. But the crowd was, it was, dare I say, vintage Giants crowd or MetLife Stadium crowd, it's their home now. It's not that house that uh, they share. It's a home now. And it's, it was a beautiful thing. Um, hats off to the fans. The fan base was incredible. And I know you said early on, you're like, you know what? It's so beautiful out. Everybody's tailgating. They may be late getting to their seats, but when kickoff came, they were in their seats. Oh, yeah, because Lawrence Taylor came out there and <laughs> did his Ray Lewis thing. <laughs> yes, he did. And he almost broke the bell. <laughs> I know. He <laughs> wanted to break it. the bell. He really did. Uh, well, um, I want to give you credit. Credit where credit is due. Because last week on the preview podcast leading into the game, we talked about, you know, the Giants jumping on Indianapolis. They're a bad mm-hmm. football team. They didn't want to be there. They're just they're they're running out the season. Don't give them any hope. And the Giants got a couple touchdowns on the board. But you had said last week for this game to be the kind of walkover, breather kind of game, they got to get a defensive score. And sure enough, our man Landon Collins comes through with yes. a gorgeous pick six. Yeah, and that's what you have to do to teams like that that are playing out the string. You've got you've to jump on them early. And normally it's one of the areas where – you know, they're struggling a little bit at quarterback or offensively. If you can jump on them early and, and snatch that away from them, you pretty much give yourself a chance to build the momentum and just roll over them. And uh, Nick Foles obliged. I love what Landon Collins said after the game. You know, he talked about you know, they were doing did a lot of film study and in those kind of situations based on formation, they like to throw that route. So I was kind of aware of it as I saw it and you know I knew I was going to have an opportunity to make a play like that because of film study and I know I know the famous story of you in 1986 after Mm -hmm. you guys beat the uh the Washington team to win the NFC championship while everybody was celebrating you were already in the film room breaking down the Broncos yeah getting ready for the next one man um but that was why I kept saying Landon Collins gives them a better option or a, a, a best option if they decide to put him in at linebacker because of his understanding of route concepts, of angles, of run angles, because he's done it as a box safety and he's done it as a safety in the field. 
and he understands route concepts. And that was the first thing, like you said, the first thing he says, like, that's my thing. I, I study route concepts. I, you know, we studied film, we saw it five or six times, but that's what I like. He likes studying past concepts. And that's, that's, a, that's an asset uh, at the second level of this giant defense. Yeah. And Xavier McKinney got back, um, you know, he misplayed that one ball. Um, it's not like he got beat. He just misplayed. He was ball. where he was supposed to be. Yeah. Correct. And, and then he had a nice pass breakup. You know, he had to get his sea legs under him. Uh, but I, the, the vibe, the whole feel, everything. And, you know, when, when Thibodeau sacked Foles and knocked him out of the game at the end of the first half, it, I said to you on the air during the broadcast, it's kind of ironic because for those older fans, that remember with Lawrence Taylor being in the building. I mean, that looked like it the did classic like... sack of Jaworski. Yeah, no, nobody took a sack <laughs> uglier than Ron Jaworski. And I think that one was right up there with uh, one of Jawor Jaworski's ugliest sacks because Thibodeau just laid him out. And, you know, that's the other thing, too. Uh, hats off to Wink Martindale. Again, the wizard. Um, didn't sit back. Um, Brought pressure, knew that they were going to struggle at the quarterback position if they could bring pressure, and he did it all day. And Kayvon Thibodeau, who's blossoming before our eyes, the game, I can I can honestly say with my own eyes, the game has completely slowed down for this kid, and he's playing it on his terms. He now, really I know is. you got mad during the game uh, with the Jalen Smith almost sack. I, I mean, he thought that Foles had gotten rid of the ball, and guys are so nervous now about yeah. getting penalties that he saw Foles' arm and he thought the ball was out, so he kind of laid off him. Yeah, I, um, I, I the, the rules have have. Um, oh, I don't know. I can't say the right word because it would be inappropriate, um, but it has completely defanged defensive players like completely it's not a matter of hey guys when you hit the quarterbacks don't drive them to the ground it's now they're calling it if you hit them and you hit them too hard they're like well you hurt his feelings so we got to call a, a penalty on you so defensive players look if you're going to hit them my advice just hit them and, and don't and worry about the consequences later because it makes no sense for um, what happened with Jalen Smith, other than the fact that he was afraid he was going to get a penalty. Like you're right in the quarterback's face and you, you pull off because, well, if he threw the ball, I'm going to get called for a late penalty. Well, no, you weren't going to get called for it in regular football because you were there right as the quarterback was throwing the ball under normal circumstances. But when you follow through with a play like that, today's NFL, they flag you for it. You know, they're going to the playoffs. They've won nine games. If they win on Sunday against Philadelphia, they could potentially get to 10 wins, which would be mm -hmm. unbelievable. But, um, I mean, Carl, I thought at the beginning of this season, based on their salary cap situation, based on the fact that they had to cut ties with a guy like Bradbury for salary cap reasons, uh, the overturning of the roster with a new regime in, um, never know when you're going to get out of Kadarius Tony when he was still here. I said, you know, if they could, if they could win seven games or maybe even eight games, 
and just be in the conversation as a wild card team, potentially, mm-hmm. as we got through Thanksgiving and headed into December, I said, and, and you know, if, if they came up short, as long as we could see progress. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm surprised, you know, with the way this whole thing has turned out and pleasantly surprised uh, that they're actually going to the playoffs and they already have nine wins in the bank. And the, the way that they've played is just a, it has been such a joy for Giants fans. Um, I mean, it went, I think it went past a lot of people's expectations, but evidently, internally, their expectations were always that this was a possibility, which is pretty cool. Yeah, well, because they understand uh, what their goal was. They they didn't come in saying, ah, oh, this roster's a mess. We got a year to fix it, and let's just, you know, Let's, you know, plug here or there, dump salary here or there, and, you know, business as usual until we can get our guys in. Your guys never come if you don't start working, right? So they got to work right away. Um, the one thing that I I tip my hat to Joe Shane and his personnel staff, man, because with all the injuries that they had, they weren't just putting bodies on the roster. They were giving uh, – Brian Dable and uh, Wink Martindale players that they needed to help. Now, they weren't the players they were losing, but they were pulling guys off the scrap heap that could actually produce for this system, the type of players, both uh, physically and mentally, that they needed in this organization. And that's why uh, I think in large part they are where they are, because every team suffers injuries, right? Uh, there's always, you know, you got to back up here, back up here. And we, we've, you know, we've talked about the receiving core. We've talked about the defensive backfield. We've even talked about the offensive line, but you know what? You got somebody in Joe Shane and his staff. And I, I've seen the guys, they work out on, on many occasions. They understand how to build and they are not just, well, we lost. We lost how many guys? Oh, boy, we got to hope we can find somebody. They go out and find players that work, that will continue to give your team a chance to, to win football games. You made a comment to me as we were leaving the stadium, and I thought it was so spot on because we've been around, I mean, you as a player and me as a broadcaster, you know, it's 30 years plus mm-hmm. that we've been around. And... um we know how it goes when teams are struggling teams have depleted rosters teams have lesser rosters because of the access that we have and being around the team and traveling with the team and all that. Yeah. You become friendly with a lot of different coaches, head coaches, assistants, and you always get the, the behind the scenes, like off the mm-hmm. record, like ugh, this guy just can't, these guys, I mean, this guy can't play. I mean, mm-hmm. but, 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 you, none of that with the staff. Yeah, none of it guy, with the staff. They never talk about the, what the guy crap. can't do. Right. We've never. That's the beautiful. Like I can tell you for the last three coaching staffs, easily the last three coaching staff. You would hear if a guy goes down and a guy got to replace him. Oh, this guy's a piece of crap. Oh, this guy can't play. Ugh, he's awful. He's he can't play. I don't know what we're going to do here. And it's almost like they're setting the stage for 
for failure so that they can have an off-ramp. This crew, they embrace it. Now, obviously there is no disconnect with personnel and coaching. They're in lockstep with each other. Um, because Joe Shane and Brian Dable, they've defined what they want Giants football to look like. And um, they go out and get those types of players. So they're not getting, you know, uh, they're not bringing home a pink car when you ask for a blue one. You know, <laughs> no, we're not going to repaint this. Go find me a blue one. And I'll, I'll work with the blue, no matter what condition is in, but I don't need a pink. You know, so they are working uh, together and it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And they've defined what the 2022 giants football should look like. It doesn't mean that moving forward, it's not going to look different, but based on what they have. And it's funny because when you look at Dable's history, uh, obviously all the places he's been, but a lot of time spent in new England, the one Mm -hmm. year spent with Saban, Joe Shane, when he was breaking in as a personnel guy with Miami, Bill Parcells. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I do that show on Sirius with Charlie Weiss. And uh, he, he always tells the story. Like, you know, when he was a young coach, when he first came on board in I guess 89 and then 90, he had the running backs or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was not an acceptable answer from Parcells about a player, about what the player's shortcomings were. Mm -hmm. Don't tell me what he can't do. Tell me yeah. what he does well and coach him up so we can use him. And right. I feel like that mentality that Bill Parcells talked about in the late 80s, and I'm sure before that, has permeated into this staff and this regime and this front sure. office and this, where it's they're finding guys that fit to what they're doing right now and then do it and let's use them to the best of their ability. Case in point, we talked about this um, after a game with the coach. And we were talking about the defensive backfield, right? Um, In Washington, actually. And I think we made the comment, well, you know, um, you don't have the best group out there. He says, coach says, um, something to the effect, we got guys out there who know what the hell to do. We know we know they know what to do, and they're going to be where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there. So he didn't say we got four or five guys. We, he didn't say I got a center fielder that can cover from sideline to sideline. We have guys out there who know what they're supposed to do and going to be where they're supposed to be. They may not make every play, but we can count on them. And that's this year's... Um, uh, New York giants. Yeah. And it's, and it, and it's the reason why they've been able to accomplish what they've accomplished because of that mindset coming mm-hmm. in. Um, you know, you got, we got to talk a little bit about Daniel Jones here because, you know, you and I have been big Daniel Jones supporters coming into this season. And I, yeah. I could never get out of my head his rookie season. And I know he had all the fumbles, but he also threw 24 touchdowns with 12 interceptions that year. Sure. Uh, he had a bunch of games where he had three or more touchdown passes and no interceptions. It was the fumbling that was the issue. And then the, mm-hmm. the, the never-ending carousel of coaching staffs and offensive coordinators. And to see him have his name chanted in MetLife Stadium Beautiful as thing. he's coming out of the game 
and you know the fifth year option not getting picked up and and all of that stuff and I, I, I you could you couldn't have felt happier for a guy because he he proved everybody that he can do it and yeah. he's done it yeah I, I, and I think he didn't have to do anything but be Daniel Jones um, he was always confident in himself he was never I don't think he he played this season with a chip on the shoulder like I'll show you I'll show you but I think just his uh, his demeanor and his confidence and just his ability was just great. Like his his stable mindset, folks, is something that will benefit this organization going forward for a long time. And if it's not this one, it's somebody else is going to benefit from it. And um, I I hope that he remains a giant because he is the steady type of leader that you need. Um, you know, you want the emotional roller coaster ups and downs. Go get him. You know, Baker's going to be out there. He'll have a chip on his shoulder walking through the door. Um, but you got a guy in Daniel Jones who is, who's been steady. He's been a rock. Like, and you read stories that, and, and we knew that they were doing some things in training camp um, that were set up to create adversity for the quarterback. Uh, meaning, you know, defense knowing the plays and seeing how he would react to certain things like that. They were creating those scenarios. He wasn't flappable. Like, he was unflapped. He just continued to work through it. And if a play didn't work, you know what he did? He went over and talked to his coach and said, let's talk about this. How, how is this not working? And what should I be doing in this situation? Didn't melt down. Didn't, didn't scream. He just, that's the type of leadership you need. And we know that he's capable of 24 touchdowns, right? But you said something earlier in this pod. This is who they have to be this year. This is who they have to be this year. So for the people who says, well, you know, he's only got 12, 14 touchdowns, and this is what he has to be. You know what was more important than his touchdowns? The turnovers, the lack of interceptions. He has... He's among the top five quarterbacks in in um, least least amount of turnovers. Is it? Yeah, they listen. And going into the game yesterday, they were tied for the fewest giveaways in the NFL with fifteen. Now they had one, Slayton's fumble. Sure, um, but I, I still think they're near the top of the class as far as not turning the ball over. <laughs> right, and as a quarterback, he's 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 way he's in the top five of not turning the ball over. So that's what he has to be this year, folks. Like. You know, the the I always call it the moving goalpost when it comes to criticizing Daniel Jones. As soon as he does something well, they move it to something else, right? Well, you know, he only had 170. That's 170 yards he needed to win the football game. You know, I've seen um, 500 yards put up in a loss. You know, so he's what you need him to be. He's better then uh, most people want to give him credit for it, at least want to acknowledge anyway. But he is, you can see from yesterday, he can do, he's the package, folks. Yeah, and he's accounted for 22 touchdowns. Let's not, let's not just poo-poo the 708 yards rushing and the seven rushing touchdowns. Like, that counts on the red, like, that, those are yeah. scores. He's accounting for touchdowns. Uh, I, I want to get to... I want to. I, I have two more things that I want to talk about here. Um, 
First of all, again, we saw in week one when Daniel Jones threw that horrible interception in Tennessee mm -hmm. in the red zone, Dable got in his face, you know, right then and there, you know, he didn't, that's the Dave showed us the kind of coach he was going to be. Mm -hmm. And they, they went through that thing yesterday. First possession of the third quarter. Last thing you want to do is give a team that's downtrodden any kind of hope. And Darius Slayton's fighting for extra yards and he fumbles. Giants lose the ball. Slayton goes to the sideline. You can see it on TV. Dable's like in his face and he's pissed. Rightfully so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then he went back to him after the pissed off part. And then he went back to him and he talked to him under a more calm scenario. Almost like at that point, I'm card. It was almost like he was encouraging me. Like, hey, listen, man, I'm going to need you. Don't be in like mm -hmm. that kind of thing. I, I think that is so refreshing. And I think that's, I think that kind of crystallizes why this team has become such a good team and they trust their coaching staff is because of moments like that. Yeah, Bob, they connect. Uh, this coach connects. Um, like I said, it's the same. Virtually the same personnel, different staff, and you're getting a different type of player connection. And um, that's, a, that's a credit to the work that Coach Dable has done and, and the trust that he's gained from his players. The other thing players I want to get... don't have to go out. I'm just saying, let me just say this. I yeah. Think about this. Last year versus this year, and no disrespect, you don't hear players going out of their way to heap praise on this coach. You know, every press conference last year was, you know, coach this, coach that. We believe in coach one. Five. This one, what's, you know, what's apparent doesn't need to be said. Like, you know, you That's ask a, a guy point. about his coach, they'll tell you. But this year is, you, you, I haven't heard a guy go to, like, five guys in a row go to the podium and have to defend their coach. You know, uh, or defend whether or not the coach has lost the locker room or the coach has lost a player. It's all for one and one for all. They're they're in, you know, with each other. They're in it together. The other the other thing that is a foremost thought in my mind is um, Richie James is tied with Saquon Barkley for the most receptions with fifty seven this year. Mm -hmm. Now, look, I understand the the media fan base mindset. Right, he has the two fumbled punts which cost the Giants a chance to win a game earlier this season and the immediate reaction was and then he got concussed he's out, he's out. Mm -hmm. and uh, listen I get it the, the media mindset the fan mindset is well you'll never see Richie James playing for the Giants again yeah and that's understandable, right? I mean, there are times where coaches will no. cut a player to make a statement. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? When that player means more to you than that one or two plays, you you learn. Uh, it's teachable moments. You know, the the hate and replace fantasy daily fantasy mentality doesn't apply in in real sports. Now, if he was a perennial f up in practice in games and this is like hey we're going to give you a chance don't screw it up one of those conversations he had with the coaches then yeah you probably wouldn't see him again because it was all the time but he was their return guy he was a guy that they relied on there were certain things he did well so yeah he blew one right 
but they're not going to throw him away. He's too valuable in, 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 in terms of what he gives this team. Like, they rely on him. He, he blew one, right? Okay. Um, but they're not that, – that's only in fantasy football in your daily fantasy lineup because I was watching the game last night and I'm hearing the, the one of the guy had a receiver from the um, the Steelers and he's MFing this guy and he's like I, I wish I never pick you I'm not, I'm swapping you out I, if I could change right now I'd get you out of my lineup I'm like this is where you know that comes from and you you don't do that in real life he blew it. Just like Daniel Jones threw the interception in Tennessee. After that, okay, well, I need you. So let's get back in here. Yeah, and it was interesting because, and I thought you brought up a really good point. It's it's one thing if a guy is late to meetings, is messing up in practice, is not working hard. That's a guy that winds up getting cut as an example to the team. Like, hey, if you're not going to do what we ask you to do, but by all accounts with Richie James, that's not the situation. He just fumbled two punts. And I remember asking Dable, I think I was in the cafeteria. Um, and I remember asking him about it. And he said, no, no, no. He goes, he's really good at catching and fielding punts. He's really good at it. He's, you know, we got to work on him with ball security on the return part of it. Yeah. But the part is, he goes, but the fielding, the punt, judging the punt, knowing when to call for a fair catch, knowing when it's returnable, he's really good at that. We just got to clean up the other part. And yeah. not to mention, yeah, I know he had the drop. He's had some drops this year. I mean, we're, we're, I, I think Richie James would be the first guy to admit to you. We're not going to confuse him with Justin Jefferson as far as where mm -hmm. he is in the NFL pecking order of receivers. But how many big catches has Richie James made this year? and difficult catches that he's made this year. And that's like the, that's the thing. Like you, again, it's that, that's that phrase or that mentality. You're either on the outside or you're on the inside mm -hmm. and the people on the inside know best. And look at, look at what the guy's done. I mean, since coming back from, you know, that horrible situation, even coming back from the horrible situation of dropping that third down pass against Minnesota. Sure. I mean, he was money again yesterday. Yeah, I mean, listen, that just that that speaks to the mentality of both the individual and the coaching that he's getting. Um, I believe Mike grows his coach, and he's not gonna let Richie James hang his hat. That's that I mean, Mike Grow is his father. Like he's gonna continue to work with you more so than throw you away. And he's gonna he'll be the first one to tell you to get your head out your ass. Let's go. That's over, you know. Um, and, and start working with him on the next, the next game plan, the next route that whatever he's not good at, um, Mike grow is that, that coach, he's going to continue to work with his guys. That's why, and, um, uh, we see constant, um, development of this group. Think about it. Now it's a lot of no names that, that, that take the field and you constantly see the development of this group of, of wide receivers. So. Um, again, speaks to, you know, the, the culture that they have, that they're, they built and they're continuing to build on. Um, so let's, let's kind of talk about the elephant in the room because I'm got a call from my, one of my good friends, Eric Rhodes, whose brother, Dwayne is a huge Cowboys fan. 
And he said, uh, Dwayne said he needs y'all to do him a favor. He said, apologize for, you know, what happened down in Dallas, but uh, he kind of needs y'all. I said, tell Dwayne, refresh out of favors. The Giants are going to do what's in their best interest for this last game of the regular season is getting the 10th win uh, important enough or is it getting ready to put your best team on the field for the playoffs? Now, this is not tanking, folks. No. The Giants have capable players. That's why they have Tyrod Taylor on this roster. That's why I and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Brightwell. I you, folks, you guys, I, look. They might be trying to hide Brightwell, man, because he's he can he can straight out burst through that line of scrimmage, both him and and Brita both. But uh, Gary Brightwell has not uh, seen his best football because just, obviously you're playing behind Saquon Barkley, but um, the Giants are going to put a game a team on the field and they're going to coach that team to win, but they're going to be smart about it, and that's without talking to. Um, anybody in the, on that coaching staff, I can pretty much tell you there are going to be certain players that are not going to play in this game. And they've earned the right to do that by clinching a playoff spot with yeah. a week to go in the season. It's yeah. like setting up your pitching staff again. I used that analogy last mm -hmm. week. Setting up your pitching staff for your run now. Daniel Jones is too valuable for this team with his arm and with his legs. Saquon yeah. Barkley's been dealing with a shoulder. Leonard Williams is, you know, playing with that never-ending burner. I told him I'd give him my neck roll. He won't – I mean, nobody's calling me back on that. I give you that. And Darnay, Darnay Holmes, I mean, every time he makes a tackle, he crumples in pain because he's playing yeah. through stuff. I mean, you need all systems go because it's probably going to be Minnesota at this point. I mean, I don't see the 49ers losing their game against the Arizona Cardinals at home. Uh, with Arizona traveling for the last game of the regular season. I don't see them losing. So they're going to have the number two seed, which means the Giants are going to be going to Minnesota. Bet Online remains your number one source for sp sports betting this season. NFL, bowl season, eSports, you'll find the latest odds, matchup info, all at Bet Bet BetOnline features live betting, free contests, live scores, fastest, easiest way to bet your favorite leagues and events head to betonline.ag to join receive 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit use the promo code believe b-l-e-a-v to receive your awards bet online where the game starts anything else that uh tickles your fancy here no this has uh been a fun fun season folks and this is what you play the game for as parcel said you know this is what you lift all those weights for you run those sprints to get in the dance, you know, once you get in the dance and we'll see what the draw gives them, but this is, and, and they're ahead of schedule because there were probably some people that were wildly saying, oh yeah, we're good enough to make, they were crazy. They were crazy. Nobody, no one saw this coming. We saw, you know, a coaching staff that could <clears throat> get the culture changed around and you wanted some level of improvement. This right here, and, and credit to, like you said, they expect it to be competitive. And they brought it in, and they are, and they're ahead of schedule. And uh, embrace it. Embrace your quarterback. And uh, from what I saw in that stadium all game long, they've embraced it. They've embraced this team. 
They've made MetLife a home, not just a house. It's no longer Airbnb and hats off because it's been a team effort, both players and fans. This has been an incredible, incredible season and one that you should continue. Like, get behind them in the playoffs. This is going to be a fun, fun deal. Because you know they're going to be prepared. Whoever they play, they're going to have a game plan. So I'm going to leave I'm going to leave this podcast with two just little things that listen I've been doing the play by play since 95 you and I started doing the Carl Banks report brought to you by Diet Coke in 1988 <clears throat> so I've been around it for a long time as part of the broadcast team pre-game post-game filling in on the play by play but if you if you're a sports fan and you're human and you don't get emotional then you're not human. And there were two things from Sunday that got me almost choked up. So the offense got introduced. Daniel Jones comes out first. Thunderous applause. Uh, Saquon comes out last. Thunderous applause. You know, tight end comes out. Uh, offensive linemen come out. You know, big applause. The fans are in, in heaven. But two things gave me chills. I'll tell you what they were. When Darius Slayton gets introduced, he got a thunderous ovation. And I'm thinking, this is a guy that was running with the threes. There was like no way he was going to make the team. There were all these reports that the Giants might try to deal him. He took a pay cut to remain here. Severe pay cut. A severe, for a guy that wasn't making a lot of money to start with. Right. By NFL standards. And when he came out of that tunnel, and the appreciation the fans showed for his 46 catches, his 16 yards of catch performance so far this season, and the ups and downs. And I know there's been drops and all that. I got chills for Darius Slayton, like saying to myself, you know, first of all, we know he's a great guy. We know he cares. And I was like, this is the beauty of like sport. And this is the beauty about someone getting an opportunity. And the other time I got choked up and I got chills was when Isaiah Hodgins came out and got his ovation. This is a dude that's been a practice squad guy. Yeah. He was with Buffalo. He's a waiver claim from Buffalo, not knowing if his career is over, like if he's going to ever play again. Yeah. And all Isaiah Hodgins has done with the giants is catch 33 balls and four touchdowns. And I'm like, yeah. there's no, I mean, you could Those write are feel good stories. Yeah, but, and it's it's real life. It's not a movie yeah, where it's scripted. They did right. it themselves. Exactly, folks. And, and and I'll tell you another one that will add on to your Darius Slayton moment on Sunday. To tell you what kind of kid he is, right? Do you know there was in the, I think it was in the third quarter, there was a check presentation of a charity that um, Darius Slayton was involved with. They had the on the on the jumbotron they had the family the check or the organization the check the family and a you know a picture of Darius Slayton took before the game the Giants take the field he looks up and sees that presentation going on he runs out of the huddle it was still in a timeout he runs out of the huddle jumps in the picture for real life and hugs everybody takes the picture verifies it's him because he turns around and shows it to the back of his jersey. Then he goes back before the timeout's over. He goes back into the huddle. That's the human being 
that Darius Slayton is, right? That he looks up and he sees the family, whatever the organization was, and they had already pre-taken the picture so that when they presented the check, he was in the picture. But that wasn't good enough. He looked up and saw that presentation. They were in a timeout. He went over there. He ran out the huddle, ran over there, took a picture, gave everybody a hug, and then ran back into his home. That's the human being that Darius Slayton is. Yeah, I think if you're a Giant fan and the Giant organization, that's what embodies what a Giant player is. And uh, I think that's that's a perfect way to end this thing. Yeah. So we'll be back later in the week. This was a feel-good Monday edition. But those are great stories. That uh, Yeah. Unless you were at the game, and even if you're at the game, you might not have noticed it. Um, That's pretty cool. All right, how do we like to end it, Carl? Well, I'm going to add a little something to it. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a Dallas friend that we fresh out of favors. <laughs> <laughs> That's this edition of Believe in Giants. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.